news, everybody. Big news. The biggest news. It's <laughs> so exciting. We have not one. Not one. But two live shows coming up. Burr, 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 burr. <sighs> Yeah, you can do that at Minute Women Live. at our live show. So please whisper though. Like, yes. Yeah. So we have two very cool live shows coming up. Our first live show, which is actually in reality our second ever live show, yes, is coming up on February eighteenth at Pickford and Black on the Halifax waterfront. That is where our first live show was, and they are gracious enough to have us back again. So Yay. we're very excited. This is a free show, so it's free for you to attend. Come in, grab a bite to eat at Pickford and Black. Last time, Grace and I discovered the loaded fries. They are <laughs> so good. Spectacular. <laughs> um, they've got great beer, great people, and they'll be us, so it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but then we have another live show, and this is kind of a big deal for the Minute Women <laughs> and Mark. Um, this is our first live show that's going to be um, with a cover. So it will cost you $5 to attend. However, it is going to be at the Garden Food Bar and Lounge. So pretty. There will be Minute Women-inspired cocktails <laughs> and uh, a fabulous night full of fun and humor and laughing and learning uh, from yours truly. So we would love to see you there. That is happening on March 3rd, and that will also be an 8 p.m. start. So both nights, February 18th and March 3rd, start at 8 p.m. And we would love to see you there. Yeah, if you have, if you're like, should I go to this one? Should I go to the other one? Go to both. Yeah. A, just <laughs> go to both. Yeah. Um, but Pickford and Black, it's going to be a bit more like a bar style live show. Yeah. When we go to the garden, we are the main event. So yeah. it's going to be way more formal. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to wear a dress. <laughs> We're going to be, like, main front and center. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah Grace, keep 18th. saying that. I'm not nervous. You're <laughs> nervous. <laughs> February 18th, Pickford and Black. March 3rd, The Garden. Yeah. And they're both at 8 p.m. Yeah, and a huge thanks to the manager at Pickford and Black, Billy, for having us back, and to Kelly, the events manager at The Garden, for uh, bringing us in. We're very excited. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. And we are back here for a special part two. <laughs> We've never felt better. We, yeah, I <laughs> am. I'm just going to, I, you know. <laughs> As we're surrounded by like empty water bottles and half finished smoothies. <laughs> so, so this, the Minute Women podcast is a space where I feel safe <laughs> to be my true, authentic self. Yep. And listeners, today... I'm going to be authentic and tell you all that I am hungover. <laughs> I am not the best version of myself, but I'm going to pull it together for this uh, for this hour or so long episode, a part two of Joseph Howe. Yes. Um, yeah. I must getting... say that you're like, you're rallying a lot better than I think I would. Yeah. Well, it's because I know that I don't have anything else to do today. So I know that I literally have to get through this. I got to get in my car. I got to drive home. And then it's like done. You get some McDonald's on the way home. I sure am. (laughs) Some chicken nuggies. (laughs) That's that's, not chicken nuggies only because um, I'll be driving and chicken nuggets really aren't conducive to like driving food. True. So probably a junior chicken. Maybe two. 
<laughs> Maybe too. <laughs> yeah. This is part two. Yes. Numero duo of Joe Howe. Joe Howe, who is now buddy. provincial secretary of the the mm. responsible government Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. So we have Uniac in as premier, and he is provincial secretary. Mm-hmm. But he basically runs the show behind the scenes. Okay. And as provincial secretary, Howe played a very active role in adapting the province's institutions to responsible government. But this was not his passion. Okay. Yeah. His passion was fucking trains. He no, wants no, railroads. Yeah, yeah. So he's John A. McDonald. <laughs> he is John A. McDonald in the oh East. My God. He's just like, I've got a new project. Trains. <laughs> Everywhere. He wanted a railroad specifically from Halifax to Windsor. Um, like Windsor, Ontario or Windsor, Nova Scotia? I think Windsor, Nova Scotia. That railway existed. <laughs> and he was so committed that he went to Britain to determine the conditions on which Nova Scotia might be able to borrow money for the project. Wow. So he's going to London and he's just like trying to figure out how he can fund his railroads. Why do you want to the valley, I wonder, from Halifax? I don't know. I don't know what's specifically the there. The only thing I can think is um, agricultural purposes, like to Maybe. transport... To transport like crops, like yeah, I think that's a good call. It's it would be either be that. Is there a salt mine in Windsor? Oh God, I don't know. No. I know that I know that it's like the highest rate of like natural food propagation in the province. In the province, like okay. like of like then where that's it probably just naturally why. grew like right. fruits and veggies and like farmland and because of the dikes and right yeah yeah not I would the say lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try not to throw slurs out uh, too much on this podcast. <laughs> they are a, um, they're a feature of the land yeah. built by Acadians and other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, soon, his promotion of the railway became more than just a plea for money, but also for the elevation of empire. So he's mm. like in Britain and he's just like... Empire. He's just like, what if I just got to talk about whatever I wanted? <laughs> Despite promoting responsible government, Howe was still a lover of the British Empire and saw its elevation as justified. He wanted British immigrants to flood into Nova Scotia. So he's going out and he's like, you want to move? You want to move? You want to move across the sea and maybe never see your family again? Come to Nova Scotia. Come do it. (laughs) He promoted building public works with public credit, preparing crown lands for settlement, and encouraging poor British migrants to come through cheap transportation. Hmm. By March, he seemed to have won guarantees from the British Empire for rail lines from Halifax to Quebec and Portland. So not only just Windsor, the, but we're going to Quebec. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When he came back to North America, he went on a speech tour educating people on the benefits of the project. But by the year's end, the other shoe dropped. The colonial secretary denied that he had <gasps> ever intended on offering him this money. What? Especially for the Portland branch of the line. What? Yeah. So he was just like... Yeah, I never said that I was going to do that. I Which, hate that guy. <laughs> I don't know if that's the colonial secretary backing out or if that's Joseph Howe's ego being like, that meeting went great. <laughs> and they were like, mm, we'll think about it. And yeah. he was just like, they said yes. I got it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I can already sense that Joe didn't take this news well. 
Um, yeah, at the time he personally accepted blame for the misunderstanding. Oh, that's good. What at a the politician. Time. Yeah. But he later attributed his failure to the sinister influences operating on the British government. Yeah, that sounds more like the Joe I know. <laughs> In the moment, he's just like, oh, maybe I misunderstood. 20 minutes later, those fucking bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never done anything wrong. There's no man better for the job. <laughs> How was now determined that Nova Scotia should build its own railways as public works. In 1854, he finally got railway legislation along the lines he wanted. Shortly afterwards, he resigned as provincial secretary to become chief commissioner of a bipartisan railway board. Okay, does he just make up jobs to go to? I don't know. Like, I feel like he's just like, oh, I want to do this now. Job description. Oh, you're perfect for the job, Joe. No one better for the job. Resign. New job. Like, like what? He's like, well, I've got all this money to build a railway, but... Who could possibly <laughs> control the board of building this railway? Oh, me? Yeah, me. I'm going to do it. I don't want to be provincial secretary anymore. That's okay, boring. Goodbye. <laughs> In addition to the railway commissionership, how had the Crimean War to occupy his time during the during 1855? I don't know what that is. Uh, good question. I mean, it's like a war in the Crimea, so that's the Baltics. Oh, okay. um, I know it is a big deal. I don't know the specific ins and outs fine. of it. It is one of the earliest wars that send like people from British North America to fight oh, overseas. Okay. We're not represented as Canada, right, right? Obviously, but like we fight in it. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Because of his feelings towards Britain, he accepted without question the British side of the conflict. During March and April, he engaged in recruit a recruiting mission in the United States, which technically broke the U.S. neutrality laws. <laughs> but he insisted that he just made known the conditions of acceptance to those who voluntarily offered their services. Okay. So the U.S. is neutral. So you're not allowed to, like, recruit soldiers in the U.S., but he's like, oh, no, 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 I was just, I was just, le- I just leave this pamphlet here, though. Yeah. You want to look leave, at it. You, 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 don't, don't look. <laughs> don't look. He's like, oh, no, I dropped something. <laughs> Leans over, breaks it up. <laughs> like, oh, what's this? <laughs> this is what I dropped. I'll just leave it here. Yeah. He, he also said that breaking the law would be totally worth it, even if he had broken it, because it was a noble cause. <laughs> He's like, I didn't break the law, but if I did, it would so be worth it, because yeah. we're not like, going to fight in the war, guys. Because <laughs> it's such a noble war in Crimea. But I also love that I can guarantee Joe Howe didn't fight in any war. Oh, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. No, That's not a joke. no he is not the man for that job. He does he, Oh, I, I could never. <laughs> You'd be much better suited to go yeah. die. <laughs> Me die? I'm Joe Howe. There is also evidence to suggest that he did commit such violations even <laughs> without the express instruction of his supervisor. But it'd be so worth it. It'd right. be so worth it. I love it. Just like going to a bar. He's like, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not doing anything. Oh my God. I'm not just breaking do the laws it. left and right. I'm not going to do it, girl. I'm, I'm just thinking about it. it. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I did it. <laughs> His American venture had unforeseen repercussions. It allowed him only 18 days to fight in the general election of the 22nd of May, and he went down to a personal defeat before Dr. Charles Tupper in Cumberland. 
So he doesn't have a lot of time to campaign because he's in the U.S. and therefore he loses, or Mm. at least part of the reason why he loses. Charles Tupper, eh? Charles Tupper, the Charles Tupper. Went on to be a prime minister, that man did. So he, he loses his seat. It also indirectly, but of greater significance, led him into conflict with the Irish and other Catholics of Nova Scotia. <laughs> the Getting Irish. in with the IRA. <laughs> he had noted some Irish priests had recently founded the Halifax Catholic, which is a newspaper, and they were using it to gloat over British losses in the Crimea. So they're just like... Screw the British because we're Irish and that's what we do. Uh, A little later, the president of the Charitable Irish Society had met Irish volunteers from the United States on their arrival in Halifax and persuaded them not to enlist for Crimean service. He also publicized Howe's activities in a New York newspaper, forcing him to flee from the United States in fear of arrest Mm -hmm. because what he was doing was illegal. Super (laughs) illegal. Finally, in May of 1856, Irish navies working on the Windsor Railway as a reaction to their being taunted uh, about their religious beliefs inflicted a merciless beating on their Protestant tormentors at the Gourley's Shanty. Oh, the Shanty. (laughs) The Shanty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's either a brothel or a bar. I don't know. (laughs) I love Gourley's, too. G-O-U-R-L-E-Y. Gourley Shanty. That's the name of my bar, Gourley's. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because, like, so how is like predominantly a very anti-Catholic. Mm-hmm. He's very Protestant first person, okay, uh, because he's very British and being like aligned with the English means that you're also going to be very anti-Catholic. <laughs> Uh, for a moment, uh, for the moment, Howe held himself in check, so he's not saying anything. But when the alleged perpetrators of the crime went free in December of 1856, and the Halifax Catholic warned Protestants not to ridicule Catholics because of those uh, mercurial Irish variety. So it's like, they're like mercenaries. They'll just take you out. Um, <laughs> about their beliefs, Howe was betrayed into saying that Protestants had the right to make fun of any doctrines that they found to be absurd. <laughs> which you do, uh, yeah, I guess. I suppose. Until it becomes like hate speech and harassment, yeah. which is kind of what it sounds like. A little bit. <laughs> it's like, I have the right to make fun of any goddamn person I want. <laughs> The controversies led to the complete estrangement of all Catholics, Irish, Scottish, Acadian, from the Liberal Party. Hmm. So the Liberal Party is not for Catholics. They're like, bye. See ya. See ya. When the assembly met in February of 1856, all the Catholic liberals and the two Protestant liberals from Catholic counties deserted their party and brought the conservatives into power. Okay. So it's such a party flop. Like, they, they, they switch sides so much that now we have a a conservative majority in the mm-hmm. house. How resigned as railway commissioner and contemplated leading a Protestant alliance, but soon thought better of it. That's good. <laughs> so I, maybe not. <laughs> as one who had been foremost in advocating complete Catholic equality, he regarded this episode as one of the most regrettables of his life. Mm-hmm. He insisted, however, that the Catholics quote, left me foolishly and without cause and like a little Bo Peep in the nursery rhymes, I let them alone till they choose to come home, wagging their tails behind them. Okay, Joe. <laughs> okay, Joe. Oh, he's got so much time on his hands. Just a poet. <laughs> <laughs> they left me, silly. But then, me, Joe Peep. <laughs> 
they come wagging their tails behind them. <laughs> Lil Joe Peep. Lil Joe Peep. <laughs> Religion was a major dividing line in the election of 1852. The liberals described their opponents as Rome, <laughs> Romo Johnstonites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Catholics are on the following Johnston. Um, and were in their turn labeled as prescriptionists. Okay. The past is like so lame. It's so lame and weird. (laughs) The assembly voted out the conservatives in February of 1860 and Howe, who had been elected again in Cumberland, became provincial secretary again in William Young's administration. Mm -hmm. The election was somewhat contested and exacerbated the criticism of party politics in the province. Over the next few years, things got worse, and this was the situation Howe inherited when Young became Chief Justice and Howe took over the government in August of 1860. Hmm. And so now Joseph Howe is Premier Nova Scotia. Interesting. Which is also funny, because he is such, like, I think a famous politician in Nova Scotia, but he was never, ele- like, he's not elected as Premier, at least when he becomes Premier. Hmm. He's just, like, inheriting it. He just gets it. Howe's premiership was an unending struggle to maintain his precarious majority against the out-and-out onslaught of Charles Tupper. Mm. In 1862, Howe almost got agreement upon an intercolonial railway. He's still pitching railways. He's like, but what about trains? But let's get back to the manner at hand. Choo-choo-choose me. (laughs) (laughs) Generally, however, he was occupied with humdrum matters. Humdrum Humdrum matters. That just makes me think of, like, a lady drumming her fingers on a desk. Like, you know, like... I wonder if that's where the word comes from. Because you're, like, humming and drumming your fingers. Hum. Hum. (laughs) (laughs) I would love if there was a person out there who thought humming was just saying the word hum. Hum, hum, hum. Hum. Hum, 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 hum. I love that. (laughs) He seems to have been pretty miserable in the position. He does not like being a premier, which I can totally understand based on his personality. Like, being the leader doesn't mean you just get to make all the decisions. He also just seems to, like, just do, well, what he wants, when he wants. So, like... Yeah, yeah. And so I think if he's in, like, a lower-level position... Yeah. It works better. Yeah. Because it's just like, okay, he's saying all this stuff, but it's not like he's the leader of the party. It's fine. But now he is. But now he is. <laughs> and so people give a shit. It's like, uh. Not to say they didn't before, but yeah, now it's like he's just bored all the time. Yeah. So he welcomed in December of 1862 his appointment as Imperial Fishery Commissioner under the Reciprocity Treatment uh, Treaty of 1854, although the position provided little scope for his talents. <laughs> so he's like, this has nothing to do with what I'm good at, but bye. Bye. So he <laughs> Boy, do being, I not want to be premier. So he left being premier. Yep, he's gone. Hmm. Almost against his will, he contested the general election in 1863, in which a worn-out leaderless liberal party went down to an overwhelming defeat, and he suffered personal loss in Lunenburg. So this time he ran in Lunenburg, I In think. Lunenburg? Yeah. And he's not reelected, but I think he's he's happy with that. Like I okay. think he's like in his mind. I think at this point he's like I achieved what I wanted. I got responsible government in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a battle to fight right now. Yeah. So he's he's gone. I'm from Lunenburg. You are from Lunenburg. <laughs> <laughs> You're going back there soon. So yeah, sad. So sad. <laughs> 
working for the British Empire was long part of Howe's vision of empire. So he's super excited that he's working for the British government. His vision. Yeah, and his vision that representation of colonials, so like Mm -hmm. colonists in the House of Commons and the participation of leading colonials in the government of the empire was crucial to proper responsible government. So so having an imperial office, not in London, but like in the colonies was was really exciting for him. And he got to do it. He'd been planning for it for a long time too. Back in 1855, when a collections of his essays and speeches were published, he had made sure to send copies to powerful and important <laughs> British members of society to demonstrate his capacity He's for like, high public office. You get a copy, <laughs> and you get a copy. Vicky, my pal, Queen Victoria, you get a copy. You get a copy. It's just like, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, like, tucks hair behind ear. I guess I'd want, like, an imperial office someday and, like, just gives them a book of all of his speeches and essays. <laughs> He's a shameless self-promoter. Oh, yeah. But, you know, there's something to be said for a guy who can sell himself. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> to him, responsible government had conferred on colonials only part of the rights enjoyed by Britons, and the empire should be organized to confer these rights in their entirety, so they should be full citizens of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. To serve the empire, preferably at its center in London, like he wants to be in London. Okay. Um, but alternatively, even in so remote and primitive a region as British Columbia, as he said, <laughs> was the noblest mission that Howe could conceive of. Hmm. Okay. He's, he's like super pumped. Super noble. Super noble. In the mid-1860s, one question was on every British North American's mind. Union. Okay. Should the colonials unite and form their own nation? How has often been portrayed as uh, very, like, flip-floppy, very flaky, yeah. uh, very loose fish <laughs> on the subject. However, as Murray Beck described, from 1838 on, he was firm that before any union could work, an intercolonial railway was necessary. It needed to happen. <laughs> in fact, only at a social in Halifax on the 13th of August in 1864 did he ever state anything else. So he is pro-Confederation, and I think he's definitely marked as someone who was very anti-Confederation, and he does come out as being very opposed to the way that Confederation is implemented. But he's not opposed to the idea of union entirely. Okay. And the first thing that needs to be done is a railway that connects all of the colonies. Mm-hmm. It was only at a social event that he ever said anything else. And and later on that fact, he said, quote, whoever heard of a public man being bound by a speech delivered on such an occasion as this? <laughs> he's like, you can't trust me when I'm drunk. I'll yeah. say anything. <laughs> it's just so I just funny. want you to like me. <laughs> I was like, I was at a party. <laughs> Why are you quoting me? Did you get my book? (laughs) I have a whole book of these speeches that are actually good, and I'd prefer if you read those ones. (laughs) How declined Tupper's invitation to be one of the Nova Scotian delegates to the Charlottetown Conference in September of 1864. To the public, he stated that he refused to, quote, play second fiddle to that damn Tupper. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. <laughs> you can tell he's getting older. Tell me how you really feel, Joe. He's getting like so much crankier. In actuality, uh, <laughs> the real reason he didn't go was he had been instructed by Russell to finish his work as fishery commissioner as quickly as possible and did not have permission to accept Tupper's invitation. That's funny. <laughs> like, my boss said I couldn't go. <laughs> but fuck you, Charles Tupper. Uh, I, I didn't want to go. 
yeah, I didn't want to. It's <laughs> just like, ugh. Ooh. Dad said I couldn't go. I didn't finish my homework. Dad. <laughs> but everybody's gonna be there. All the cool kids are going. John A's gonna be there. Topper's gonna be there. He's like, you didn't finish your fisheries homework, son. There are consequences to these things. <laughs> As a public servant, Howe did not participate in Confederation debates other than to publish anonymously his letter, Botheration's Letters. Botheration. Botheration. I think that's the anonymous name. Like, you know, when you go in the classifieds and they don't have real oh, names? Yeah. I think that's his botheration. Uh, in the Morning Chronicle between the 11th of January and the 2nd of March, 1865. Until March 1866, Howe played no further part in the discussions of Confederation in Nova Scotia. Then Tupper's determination to use the Finian scare to press a resolution favoring Union through the legislature forced Howe to make a decision. Should he accept the editorship of the New York Albion, so like a New York newspaper, mm-hmm. um, and financial ease, so he'd be making a bunch of money and he'd be, yeah, like the editor of this really fancy New York newspaper. Yeah, buckets of money. Or should he stay in his province now that the commission work had ended to assist, quote, poor old Nova Scotia, God helper, beset with marauders outside and enemies within? Ooh. <laughs> Based on the uh, the quote, which one do you think he picked? <laughs> <laughs> he chose the latter. Yeah. Uh, because of he, he did. He, he saw it one. He saw one that Confederation would be a death blow to his vision of empire. Interesting. How they had written up Confederation would not be good for him. Because I think he wants them to be equal to Britons, not separate. Yeah. Um, Secondly, Nova Scotia had yet to receive any of the practical necessities to make union work. So they don't have a railway. They don't have communication lines. And third, the Quebec resolution born from Canadian needs would result in a loss of independence and the economic ruination of Nova Scotia. Hmm. Okay. Which, you know, he's not wrong. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> his ideas weren't stupid per se. However, the factor which more than any other propelled Howe back into active politics was Tupper's decision not to consult the people on union. So that's a very controversial thing that happens is that Tupper doesn't he basically signs on to Nova Scotia joining Confederation without bringing it before the representative assembly. Right. So very controversial. Not cool. As Howe's friend and admirer, George Johnson, put it. A, quote, firm, fixed passion for the people's rights was at the bottom of all Mr. Howe's opposition to the union of the provinces. Okay. Howe cannot prevent the Nova Scotia legislature from adopting Tupper's resolution in April 1866. The result for him was two years of frenzied activity. Almost immediately, he embarked on speaking tours through the western counties, Then, from July of 1866 to May of 1867, he headed the delegation to England to oppose the passage of an act of union, which I'm pretty sure is the conference that Sir John A. Macdonald was like four months late to. (laughs) I think it might be that one. I'd have to go back and listen to this. What do you mean I'm late? What do you mean I'm late? The conference was four months ago, John. (laughs) Sometimes I want to go back and like redo that one because now that we do two parters, I could have done like three parts on Sir John A. I could have done so much. We could do another part on John A. We could do another John A. Other stories from Sir John A. McDonald. I like that. Maybe that should be our 50th episode. I was just thinking. Oh my God. 
it. Oh my god. <laughs> just like just like tales from the life of Sir John A. <laughs> McDonald. Yeah. Um, on his return home, he campaigned actively to ensure that the British government appreciated the true state of feeling in Nova Scotia. And in the general election of the 18th of September, 1867, the Nova Scotian Confederates, which is like the, their party, uh, the Confederation Party, returned only one member to the House of Commons and two to the House of Assembly, which is my favorite thing. So like okay. in the first could, like parliament of Canada, Nova Scotia sends like 19 delegates who are anti-confederation. Okay. They're like, we don't want to be here, but we're here. But and one here is are. pro-confederation. <laughs> Howe was now a member of the House of Commons in Canada, representing mm-hmm. Hans County. <gasps> Love Hans. Hans County. Hans County. Hans County, Nova Scotia. <laughs> That's Windsor. That's Windsor. Is where he wants the train. That's why he wants a train. It's probably why he's representing them. Like I gotta get back and forth. I gotta go get my apples. Yeah. How else am I supposed to get apples? You expect me to walk there? I'm an old man now. And cows. And cows. Howe led the Nova Scotia repeal delegation to London between February and July of 1868. So yeah, like immediately they go back to London. They're like repeal Confederation. <laughs> it's just so like. Fuck you, we don't want to play along. (laughs) Just like angry. And just like, that's just so funny to me. (laughs) He got only one concession. The colonial secretary agreed to ask the Dominion government to review the impact of its taxation, trade, and fishing policies on Nova Scotia with a view to their modification. So it's just like, okay, maybe don't tax them so much. Look how angry it makes them. House participation in the two delegations left him, always a great admirer of British political institutions, highly disillusioned with British public men and the British political process. Mm-hmm. So he's, his one true love, his whole life. Mm-hmm. Britain. He Mother is, Britain. He, Mother Britain. Vicky. <laughs> Vicky. She's abandoned him. Oh. He noted that only 10 peers were in their place when the House of Lords gave third reading to the British North America Act. So, like, the British North America Act, da, 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 only 10 people showed up to listen to its third reading. That's so sad. I know. He no must cares about Canada. <laughs> He's just like, it's just like, it's, it's not the system he thought it was. I, feel like, so, I thought you were my so friend. <laughs> Once he felt that a man with an honest case could always get a fair play from the independent gentleman in the House of Commons, quote, if you if you ask me if I feel that confidence now, I'm sorry to say that I do not. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, that's sad. So sad. By mid-1868, Howe knew the game was up, but he did not openly accept the situation until December 1868. Throughout the summer and autumn of 1868, Howe's main function was to keep in line the advocates of insurrection and annexation within the anti-Confederate <laughs> ranks. So he's like, I know Confederation's going to go through. It's going to stay the way it is. We can't, like, openly, like, start a coup, though. <laughs> like, we're not going to annex okay. Nova Scotia. Okay. No coups <laughs> today. No insurrections, guys. Just, like, Everybody chill. Yeah. If the issue had been one simply between Canadians and Nova Scotians, he said, quote, I would have 
take every son I have and die on the frontier before I would submit to outrage. Mm-hmm. But he had been loyal and devoted. He had been a loyal and devoted British subject all his life and would continue to be one till the end. So the fact that there's this like commonwealth means that he still feels that devotion. He doesn't want to reject right. Britain. But if it had just been Canada, he was like, I would go yeah. with all my sons and die. <laughs> yeah. like, not, I won't just kill myself. <laughs> I'll kill, I'll my, kill kids. my kids. <laughs> and they're like, uh, what, what the fuck, what? Joe? <laughs> Dad. <laughs> yeah, his kids are like, um, it's like a four-year-old. He's like, Daddy? <laughs> but that's right, Joe Jr. <laughs> All his kids are named Joe Jr., even the girls. <laughs> the necessity of fighting a by-election in Hans in midwinter on 1869 against determined opposition resulted in his complete physical breakdown. And although he won the election, he never fully regained his health. Mm. So he's like, I mean, he's born in 1802, I think. So he's like 67. And he's still running for federal office. And now it's not traveling between Halifax and wherever. It's traveling between Ottawa and Nova Scotia. That's just like a lot. As a federal minister, he was the subject of controversy on two occasions. On the 16th of November, 1869, he became Secretary of State for the provinces and in that capacity oversaw the arrangements for bringing Manitoba into Canada. Mm. Anxious, as always, to see things firsthand, an exhausted Howe visited Red River during the Red River mm, Rebellions. Woof. Later, when the lieutenant governor, or lieutenant, excuse me. It's okay. Later, when the lieutenant the governor. Forgives you. <laughs> <laughs> the lieutenant governor designated uh, William McDougall could not enter the new province because of insurrection. He blamed it on Howe and his mm. loose talk and anti Canadian bias. <gasps> So he how think, dare he? So McDougal's like, how went to Manitoba and told them all to not let me in? It's Howe's fault, and I—I I, I mean, I don't think he ever did that. How <laughs> dare he talk about our Joe that way? I know. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> but the House of Commons declined to go along with him. The House of Commons is like that. Probably didn't happen. Hmm. Okay. Howe's disillusionment with the British government reached its zenith when it failed to safeguard Canadian interests in the negotiations leading to the Treaty of Washington in 1871. In an address to the YMCA of Ottawa, which is just like the YMCA is obviously not what it is today, but that's still so funny. That's so funny. It's like, I will be giving a speech at the Y. Tuesday, be there. The village people will be there. (laughs) It's going to be great. (laughs) There will be sandwiches afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the speech at the Y, he suggested that if if Englishmen, unmindful of the past, repudiated their national obligations, Canadians had the ability to work out their own destiny by themselves. So now he's just like, get them out of here. Yep. You are not contemplating your own destiny. You are your own destiny. Ooh. Love it. In any case, he felt that the time was rapidly approaching when Canadians and Englishmen would have to reach, quote, a clear and distinct understanding as to the hopes and obligations of the future. Sir Johnny MacDonald was not amused by Howe's constant vocal opposition. <laughs> Quote, although Howe had outlived his usefulness, he has not lost his power of mischief. Ooh, Johnny. From Jam himself. <laughs> yeah, right? From the big guy. From the big guy. Just loaded. Outlived he's his usefulness. Still, he's still mischievous, 
that one. He's a tricky. He's a tricky boy. Tricky. Pour me another scotch there. <laughs> Joey? <laughs> Can I call you Joey? Can I call you Joey? I haven't had water in a week. <laughs> I only have whiskey now. You can call me Johnny. Like, John, you're late. John, you've been talking to a mirror for the last two weeks. Huh? I also love that he's saying that, like, he's outlived his usefulness. Johnny McDonald is not young. Johnny McDonald outlived many, many of his good qualities. Not just his usefulness. Not just his usefulness. In May 1873, Howard retired from the House of Commons. He was mm. tired and old and longed to be home. So that's he's also really homesick the whole mm. time he's in Ottawa. He became lieutenant governor of his native Nova Scotia. Aww. And he held that office less than three weeks <gasps> when he died at Government House what? in Halifax on June 1st, 1873. What? I know. The minute that he's kind of in... Not that lieutenant, lieutenant governor is uh, uh, not an active role during that time. Yeah. It's a little more ceremonial, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just, like, dies three weeks in. What a sin. I know. Poor Joe. By the end of his life, most of Howe's contemporaries saw the old man as outdated, egotistical, and unnecessary. But Howe was a revolutionary politician, both in thought and in style. His radical approach had led to an early achievement of his primary political goals. He was then left to watch as the machine of government less than satisfactorily chewed and churned his ideas. Mm. So, like, he's, he achieves what he wanted really young, yeah. like the late 30s, 40s, mm. and then he stays in some level of political office for the rest of his life. So he just watches it as it doesn't yeah. pan out the way he'd hoped. <laughs> not yeah. that it goes poorly, just, no. yeah, not the way he envisioned. Right. As J.A. Roy put it, once responsible government was achieved, his main work was done. Dullness succeeded enthusiasm, cynicism, faith, and from now on, his story is one of fading days and falling nights. Oh, wow. <laughs> Despite serious disappointments and disillusionment with institutions that he greatly respected, he quickly rebounded with new ideas or at least with a renewal of faith. Mm -hmm. None would deny that Howe was an egotistical person, <laughs> but the fact is that Howe's position was thoroughly consistent with the statements and activities of his past life and was entirely predictable. Right. He's like, consistent. Consistently egotistical, but consistent. But consistent. <laughs> Nonetheless, something to be said for that. <laughs> something to be said. Nonetheless, Howe is a difficult man to categorize. Basically, he was a conservative reformer, even though his name is primarily associated with radical, even revolutionary objectives. Although he personally thought of himself as a liberal, he outdid even the most ardent Tory in his devotion to Britain. As a man who felt that land easily acquired in Nova Scotia should be the basis of the franchise and whose government abolished the universal suffrage, which had been operative for a decade, he could hardly be labeled a Democrat. Mm. Yet he did insist that the people had a right to be consulted directly on intercolonial union. Mm. So he's consistent, but like not good at conforming to a party line right he's just like i think we should be independent but i love britain but so i love much. them yeah. like i love the tea and i love the crumpets <laughs> and i just i love their funny teeth and i just love and rain. vicky and vicky <laughs> god i love that lady i'm gonna write a poem about her mm -hmm. that's who the poem about his wife was actually, actually about. About, yeah. about victoria <laughs> 
How has been vindicated on the sense that it is the right of the electorate to give prior approval to radical constitutional changes? Mm -hmm. It has become an established convention of the British Constitution. Furthermore, despite the impracticality of his ideas on the organization of the empire, the Commonwealth has become, by some perspectives, what he hoped it would become, a partnership which may last for centuries and need not terminate at all as long as it is mutually advantageous. Mm -hmm. But perhaps Howe would like best to be remembered for his efforts to save his fellow citizens from the narrow-mindedness which can beset a small community. Mm -hmm. When accused of, quote, inoculating the public mind with exaggerant and unrestrained ideas, he proudly admitted that he was guilty of giving his countrymen grandiose views and concepts on many subjects. Quote, I have striven, he said, to elevate their eyes and minds from the little peddling muddy pool of politics mm. beneath their feet to something more ennobling, exacting, and inspiring calculated to enlarge their borders of the in, their intelligence and increase the extent and area of their prosperity. Oh, Joe. He's our guy. He's our Nova Scotian guy. What a boy. I like him so much. I like him too. <laughs> he's just such like an old grumpy man, but he's just like, we need to elevate their... I like that. They, you've raised their expectations in life. Yeah. It's just like, you, you can be better than this. Oh, Joe. I know. What a guy. What a guy. I like him. I'm so glad we did that as a two-parter. There was so much more to know. A two-parter for not even a heritage minute. <laughs> no. Who are we? Are we the Minute Women podcast, or are we Grace and Linnea do whatever they want podcast? You know, I think we can do a bit of both, and sometimes whatever we want to do is a heritage minute, yeah. but sometimes it's not. It's not at all. It's not at all. <laughs> heritage minute by name. I think, her- I think, honestly, like, realistically, as we've become more confident in and our podcasting popular and, and popular <laughs> but and I think I think our popularity has completely corresponded with us feeling like confident in what yeah. we're doing I think when I look at our podcast like Heritage Minute is the gimmick mm-hmm. but really it's a podcast about you and me talking about something that we want to talk about yeah like it's it's about history yeah because we chose to talk about that yeah it's not about the Heritage Minute specifically like you know that. I like that a lot just, you know, we're coming around full circle. We're almost yep. to a year, guys. I so, know, you know, we're almost at 50 episodes. Five days ago, we recorded our first episode, even though oh, it didn't come out that so day. Crazy. I know. That's so crazy. So cute. Oh, Little my gosh. Johnny babies. <laughs> Little babies. So, <laughs> Little much, so much has changed, buddy. <laughs> I know. Like, I do think about that like a year ago. No pandemic. I was still in school. Yep. Just like crazy. It's crazy. Crazy time. It's a, as, as people say a lot, it's like, I'm tired of living through history. It's like, I don't want to live about, I don't want to live through times that people write about. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. (laughs) For all of our listeners who are in Halifax, or at least can travel to Halifax, we have exciting news for you. We have- The most exciting. Two live shows coming up. Two of them. The first one is February 18th. It will be at Pickford and Black. It starts at 8 p.m. On the beautiful Halifax waterfront. Beautiful. It'll be dark. You won't be able to see it, but it's there. <laughs> You'll know it's there. Yeah. The looming thread of the ocean will be <laughs> right next to you. It'll be so exciting. Um, there'll be drink specials throughout the event. Come down, 
around, bring your friends. You can make reservations. Just look to our Instagram page, Facebook, Twitter to get the phone numbers and all of the special information. And then on March 3rd, we will be having our second live show. That will be at The Garden, Mm -hmm. which is up on Queen Street in Halifax or Clyde Street, I believe. Corner of Queen and Clyde. Corner of Queen and Clyde. Um, It's a stunning location. It's so beautiful. We're so excited. That will also start at 8 p.m. It has a $5 cover. Mm -hmm. So if you want a guaranteed seat, we highly recommend that you make a reservation. Yeah. And when you make a reservation, say explicitly that you are going there for the podcast. So that's Minute Women Live, March 3rd at the Garden. Also Minute Women Live, February 18th at Pickford and Black. And at the Garden, there's going to be a special Minute Women drink special. Oh, yes. That's true. Signature to us. Signature to us. A signature beverage race. We've made it. (laughs) We've really made it. We're not on a postage stamp. But we've got a drink. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we hope to see you guys there. Yeah. All right, folks. So if you are not following us on our social media channels, what are you doing? That is the only reason you wouldn't know that we have two very exciting live shows coming up. So get on that. Get over there. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Minute Women Podcast. You can see all of our information, upcoming events. We've got some big things coming for our one year anniversary. So you don't want to miss that. And on Twitter, we are at The Minute Women. So give us a follow, check us out, send us a message. We love to hear from you. We also have a fantastic website that hosts all of our uh, episodes, all of the sources that Grace uses to research, uh, and some interesting information about us. It's got our bios. So go check that out as well. And that's www.minutewomenpodcast.ca. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. We're on all major platforms. Make sure that you download the episodes. We come out every Wednesday with something new. And make sure that if it's possible, you can rate and review the podcast. That's the best way to support the podcast right now between the live shows, rating and reviewing. Those are the best ways that you can help us out. So make sure that you leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review, let us know what you think, and tell all of your friends. Word of mouth is the best recommendation. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.